Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Where have you stepped out in faith to start something new? Well, I'm going to go into kind of our story because I remember years ago when we first started Girlfriends Unlimited and, and Girlfriended, and I was working full time at this, you know, at, at, in that season of life. And I remember as we were progressing and we we're meeting and we we're kind of going, okay, this is becoming something. This could actually become something because it was kind of like, you know, on the side, we would get together and work on it. And then I remember after like a year or so, it came evident, okay, if we really, and we were so passionate, we just like, we oozed, you know, girlfriends unlimited out of our pores. And I just remember thinking, okay, I'm going to have to either put that on, on the side and not really give it my all or quit my job and pursue it. And I remember just that wrestling going, okay, am, am I willing to give up something known? Cause I've been at that job for 15 years to step into something unknown, mm-hmm. to start something new. And I just remember that just that wrestling with that mm-hmm. going, what, what, what is the best way? And I remember just reading something. It was in an Irwin McManus book. And it just basically said, you just need to start, you know, where God's calling you. And I just remember that one day going, I've got to do this and just going in, quitting my job and going, I'm all in now and let's go. That was a hard decision. Yeah. And it's, you know, it caused it's a crazy decision. I know. Well, <laughs> enough of our story, but we're going to hear from our first guest, an amazing story, and just kind of talking about that, stepping out in faith and starting something new. But before we get too far into our show, we just want to remind you that you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where our, our first guest, like Lisa was saying, his name is Daryl Lyons, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Pax Financial Group. He is also the author of Small Business Big Pressure, a faith-based approach to guide the ambitious entrepreneur by a thriving independent firm based in San Antonio, Texas, which we love San Antonio, Texas. Um, that's where we did that the river walk. The river walk. It was so cool. But he compiled this book from classroom lessons he has taught over um, other business owners. The book lays out practical proven strategies to improve business performance. Daryl also repeatedly emphasizes how critical it is for an entrepreneur to execute strategies while still depending on God moment by moment. So welcome, Daryl. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, guys. Well, we, um, we're going to dive right in, Daryl. You got to hear just uh, a quick two-second version of our story of when we um, God collided our world and we started running down the path that he set in front of us. We want to know, what is your passion behind writing this book? Yeah, so uh, there's so much that goes into the passions of life, and and one of it, one of the, the really the genesis of my passion started when I was really really young. <clears throat> Excuse me, I remember my father um, going to the door as a young executive and putting the key in the door, and the key didn't work, 
and he called corporate, and he had gotten laid off. This was in 87 when the SNL crisis was occurring. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point where our financial uh, world collapsed, mm-hmm. and we really struggled financially my whole life as a kid and then all the way through high school and moving different places and ended up living in a small trailer park in Castroville, Texas. But I always relate back to that key and I was always fearful of the key, and I never wanted to work for someone. <laughs> Even as a kid, I never wanted to be employed by someone because I was fearful that that would happen to me. Mm, mm. I, uh, my family went through the, that whole crisis in 2007. It was actually 2009 when, when it hit us. But, yeah, that's, it's an interesting thing what takes place, that, that fear um, of what's next. What's tomorrow and the unknown? So you were going through this. What's the unknown? So how did you then start coming up with a strategy to say, I am never going to work for anyone? <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And and I I went to undergraduate and got a couple degrees. And I, I ventured into the corporate world. And I did real well as a, as a recruiter and developer. I was partner of the year for a Fortune 100 company and really moving up in the ranks. And uh, it was clear that my career path was following my father's. Uh, I was going to be an executive and subject to layoffs and and, uh, and different changes that happen from the corporate level. Even if you do your best, sometimes things don't work out. And I just saw that happening, so I quit. I just one day just decided I was going to quit, and I gave up my salary. I gave up my car. I gave up everything. And I decided to start a business. And that was about nine years ago in a very, very difficult season because we were having our first child. My wife quit her job. So we went from a lot of income and enjoying life and eating out and a nice BMW convertible to one car, beans and rice, and a a father who's very scared. Mm. And I will tell you, I I will tell you, though, just in in this season, uh, you know, completely not having the 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 means to pay the mortgage and and really my credit cards equaled my income at that particular time in my life and I mean if you do the math and in, in in your life thinking about credit cards equaling income it's very scary but I'll never forget I absolutely was at the depths and I and I was around a little island in our kitchen and I said I quit I'm in tears and I'll never forget and this is just really just important for me to articulate to those that listen I'll never forget my wife saying. You have a dream. Don't give up on it. And if it wasn't for just those few words, I would have. And I always thank her for that. Mm. Well, having a dream is one thing. Um, Following the dream and making it more than just a dream, obviously, is another thing. Um, How did you – I mean, that's a radical move when you have that much credit card debt to quit your job. Did you at any time consider, I need to do this at a slower pace? I need to maybe pay off some of this debt you know, slowly start working on a small business here on the side. Was that in part of your strategy or no? You just like Lisa, it's like, I'm going to dive in and I'm not going to do this in a slow process. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess, my personality type. I'm a little bit more mature now where I I fire bullets before I fire a cannon. But at that time, um, I was either doing it or not doing it. And uh, maybe out of ignorance, because now I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. We're completely debt free. We just uh, we're just a, a, a complete 180 from that point. But at that time, it was all or nothing. I'm doing this. Let's go. I'm not looking back. I'm burning the bridges. And you know what? To a degree, that was really healthy uh, because my work ethic and my focus was completely 
uh, intense. And so, I, I mean, I don't recommend that for, for everyone, but, uh, you know, God works all things for good. And in this situation, things worked out really well. And there's a lot of uh, personal development in that season where I really matured and, and I became humbled as a result of that. So in that journey, and first of all, there's a couple of questions I want to ask. And so you, you decide how, which one you want to ask, you want to answer first. What did you know? What it's like, okay, I, I quit this and this is what I want to pursue. Did you know what it is, that dream, what you wanted to pursue? So you could start working on a new strategy, a new business, starting something new. And then the other thing is where was your, how was your faith in God at this time? Was it totally, was it emerging? What was it solid? Where, how did that all play in this? Yeah, two good questions. Um, first, I, I just re- realized that I wanted to start a business. I wanted to have that. I, I still had that fear of the key in me. And I wanted. I recognized that there was problems. So uh, anytime I even today start an initiative at our company, we have four or five different facets of our business. I always start that there's a problem um, that I've identified in the community that needs to be met, and I have the ability to meet that need. I, I, I know I can. I just have to figure out where the resources are to, to make this happen and, and talk to the right people. And so it always starts for me, me a need. And in that particular need, there was people, including myself, that was struggling with their finances. And so I felt I could solve that need. And by the way, it's very hard to, to, to give advice when you're broke. Um, but I did it anyways. And... Uh, but but I did realize that there was a problem, and so that's that's really the genesis of that um, uh, that initiative. Now my faith in God was very um, it was it was very weak. Um, I I believed in God. I read the Bible. I loved God. Kind of like David, just a my heart was really just passionate for God. But but like any good Pharisee, I was quick to point out other people's problems before my own. And and I remember sitting in the parking lot and really struggling just, you know, four o'clock in the morning, getting there early, trying to, trying to make this happen. And I'll never forget the key in the, the door did not work this particular morning. Mm-hmm. And it was a flashback time for me. And I'm sitting in the parking lot, not going to go back home to the house. And it's completely dark outside. No one's there. And I remember saying, God, what are you doing? And uh, I don't remember him telling me, you know, like an audible man Mm -hmm. in the sky. But I remember him, it was like an imprint saying, put your money where your mouth is. What that meant to me was that I was uh, periodically giving God my leftovers. But at that particular moment, moment, I made a commitment to trust him with my money. And I started giving him, even while I was broke, my first fruits. And I think that was an important step for me because I had never really done that before. And so I made a commitment that I've never stopped of giving him my money. So that was a maturity step for me and a big step for me to trust him with my money. Hmm. That is a huge step, especially, um, it's easy to do that when you're sitting there with a lot of money <laughs> and, a, and a steady stream coming in. But when you're just starting and you don't have that, that security to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my first fruits. That is really a defining moment. Yeah, and, I, I, it is. And, and I look back and I say, I can't believe I did it, but you know what? I will tell you, um, not, this isn't prosperity theology, not to say, hey, you may, I made a bunch of money since then, but, but I really haven't worried to the same degree about money. And mm-hmm. so somehow that giving was an antidote to my worry about money, and, it, and I really haven't worried the same about money since then. It's, it was just a, a simple step for me, but a huge one. That is a huge one. And, and just ha, like coming from when you said you had all this, this mound of debt and you have no income to going, okay, I'm going to 
start giving back to God. And that does, it develops your faith. And it's so easy to sit back and going, someday I will. But when you just go, someday is today, I just need to start. And it doesn't matter what's going on in my circumstances. I just need to start. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And you've already alluded uh, to Dave Ramsey and just, you know, being such a fan of his. But Dave Ramsey actually endorsed you. And this is what Dave Ramsey said about Daryl. Daryl Lyons is a rock star in the financial world. And he's built an incredible team and business that's helping a lot of people. This book is a playbook for how he did it and how you can do it, too. What a great endorsement from just a, a guru. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Spark your soul radio with Ann Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose, insights with heart. The WooHoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked and start tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world from your work to your relationships, lifestyle to legacy. Host Ann Phyllis is a spiritual analyst, fire starter, energy alchemist, and soul truth clairvoyant. Using the heart and purpose-based principles of her signature Soul Sense system, Anne offers weekly wisdom for tuning in, letting go, unlocking, and unblocking. If you've been walking through life with excess baggage, a heavy heart, a feeling of disconnection from your inner life, consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Every week on Spark Your Soul Radio, Anne takes you on a journey into the heart of your soul sense. There, she helps translate your energy, essence, and soul truth knowing into positive action and change. From this space of personal awakening and transformation, you're able to reignite your spirit, spark your soul, and live in alignment with your vision and values. Ready to spark your soul? Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player. Got a question for Anne? Want to be a guest on her show? Visit sparkyoursoul.me and listen to Anne every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, we just finished our last segment um, talking with Daryl, and Daryl says that many families strive for the American dream of owning a business. Unfortunately, the business schools uh, fail to teach the basics. Additionally, most business books focus on the entrepreneur being the source of all wisdom, joy, and peace. But the lessons that Daryl focuses on in his new book, Small Business, Big Pressure, point to God as the only source for those character qualities. And we just finished the last segment um, just even talking about when you're at that point in life and you, you really don't even have, I mean, we hear that a lot where people are like, I don't have the money to even tithe right now. I'm just barely getting by. And I, I know my, my husband's dad would always say, you can't afford not to tithe. And Daryl, you just were saying that how God literally put that impression that trust God with your money and you haven't worried about money since then. And I, I just think that we, we can't ever tire of hearing that and hearing the testimonies of people. Like you said, it's not a prosperity thing. It's just crazy when we follow what God is telling us to do to truly give him that money, just showing I really do trust you. And, um, I, I just, as you're saying that, uh, let's go into another question. Why do you say God is not interested in just helping the, the small business owner? That's kind of like a paradigm shift from trusting him to all of a sudden the keyword was helping. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I I've I've mentioned this to several audiences when I've spoken to different places at chambers and um I, I don't I always get everyone agreeing with me on this. Um but if you hear me out, I think I think you'll get my point. <clears throat> Obviously the scriptures talk plenty about help, you know, he he leaves us a helper, the Holy Spirit. But what happens is an entrepreneur, um go getter, getter done kind of people is um, we've kind of changed that phrase to where uh, we rely on God's help as um, an assumption that we are the source, the entrepreneur, of manufacturing wisdom, of joy, of patience, of generosity. And so we pray for his help. And just that subtle prayer um, in today's, today's environment um, assumes that we are the source of all these things that we pray for. And so I've discontinue to use that word help, that God's not interested in us being the source, because in the scriptures, John fifteen five, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So in today's context, I've discontinued the use of help. And now my prayer is, God, I don't have the capacity um, to make this decision because I don't have wisdom. You are wisdom. In this moment, give me wisdom and let me just be a PVC pipe that flows with wisdom. And it's your wisdom, not mine. Do you see the difference? Mm-hmm. Totally. And that is a, that is a really great distinction because, like you said, even we don't even realize that we're subtly that we are we're taking it on like we are the one asking God to join us mm-hmm. instead of us joining God, and and where He's working and that's that's a big distinction and um and you know when you when you really embrace what you just said, there's a lot of freedom in that because then it doesn't re- it's not just you having to make it happen, it's 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 God's and it's God's business and and with that thought, it's like you have so many you know. You, you talk about different principles and for an entrepreneur, because entrepreneurs, let's face it, they're, we're wired differently. You know, we see that we see things other people don't see a lot of times, big picture, but we also aren't great at putting Those some details. of the details and putting some <laughs> things together and, and everything's a possibility. What in your book um, is not taught in the, in a typical business school? Like if you go to, you know, you're not going to hear this. Yeah. And, and just to, Good question. I, w- I will say that I've my, my my degrees in accounting, another degree in finance, and then I spent about another three or four years uh, just studying finance and some uh, 
uh, kind of the postgraduate work level. Um, and and so, you know, my point of reference is really in the financial world. And uh, but I've you know, just like you guys, read a ton of books. I, I read a couple books a month. And um, I, I really didn't have a book that I could share with the entrepreneurs that were desperate for leadership that could lay out some of the basics uh, in a way that, that was comfortable with sticking their neck out there. In other words, I would look for resources that talked about what how important a mission statement is, but it didn't really tell me how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I – I, I, it had some books that talked about, okay, this is what a balance sheet is, but what do I really look for on the balance sheet? And so I had to take some of the the information and actually provide leadership and weave leadership in here. So here's here's a mission statement. Here's how we do it. Here's a balance sheet. Here's how we look at it. And so that's the missing component in the academic area. And then taking it one step further, uh, ultimately recognizing the source of wisdom, which is God, and, and making sure that's clearly in this in this uh, book. Hmm. Well, and you talk in your book, you go, um, you talk about the the four areas um, that that you identify with God. Can you just talk, can you identify those four areas and then maybe expand on one of them? Yeah, no problem. So what happens is uh, you have a, every entrepreneur has a destination, so they have a vision of where they want to go. So there's a there's a problem, and they want to solve that problem. So. Uh, they, here's here's where I'm at. Here's I want where I want to go, and that first part is called destination. And then the second part is once they've started to execute this this plan that they have, even if it's not written down, but they start to solve people's problems. Their bank account reflects their efforts, and so that's the the part two is the dollars. And so as their bank account starts to reflect their efforts, then they recognize how critical time is. They only have a certain amount of time uh, hours in the day. So they hire somebody, and it's not so much of hiring somebody. It's 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 a, the dialogue that uh, begins at the hiring process and uh, continues all throughout the development of this person. So the third step is dialogue. And then the fourth step and the final step is as you have one person and you recognize that you need another person, you have to create a company identity. And so that's the, the fourth D, uh, but it starts with an I. Um, and, and so you have to have a culture, and you have to be intentional about this culture because you as an entrepreneur have a set of beliefs, and this uh, organization is going to reflect your beliefs, so you want to be intentional about how you lay that out. And so in all four of these phases, uh, there's a certain amount of, d- of pressure and confusion and worry. And these phases are both at the starting point of an entrepreneur when they first start their business, but not only that, they continue as an entrepreneur enters new markets or develops new products. So it's a constant evaluation in each of these areas um, of, of who is the source because as you experience the pressure, you can draw on yourself as the entrepreneur as the source or you can draw on God as you go to each of these phases. Wow. Those are, and how did you, just, just from your reading and experience, like kind of create that framework? Yeah, it's just working working over the years. Um, you know, the, my uh, my business. I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, and and I get calls from entrepreneurs all across the country. But I will tell you, a lot of my uh, development of this process happened around the kitchen table. My sister is a is a entrepreneur. She's a photographer. She was. Uh, in the seventh largest city of the country, San Antonio, she was the number one photographer in the city, the most creative person in the city. My brother is a graphic design guy, but now he's doing 
Um, he's an entrepreneur as well. He has a, a product that he's doing virtual and augmented reality. My mom and dad are entrepreneurs. They do fire and safety equipment, very industrial business, but they're all doing well. So turkey dinners are about this stuff, and so that's what we talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time we, we rarely talk about politics because we're always talking about business and cash flow. So this was just organizing all of our conversations over the years. That is so funny, Daryl. I so connect with that. We have, there's six kids and half are entrepreneurs and the others are teachers. So um, <laughs> we laugh. <laughs> we go from poverty on one part of the subject to them trying to teach, you know, their, their kids in class on how to be entrepreneurs. Um, but yeah. it, it truly is, you know, uh, there's, there's quite a few uh, that do ministry in my family and um, so many times, e- even doing ministry, you can get caught up in having that ministry mindset of, and this is an extreme statement, so you might have to like language it differently, but almost like that poverty, like I'm, I'm not allowed to enjoy wealth or, you know, make an income. I just have to give it all away. So what do you have to say about that? Where I I know Dave Ramsey talks about you, um, you know, you can make the money and then start, you know, giving it away. Do you have, and by the way, we have three minutes to um, give this tip to our listeners. Yeah. So giving money away from the business is is very, you know, you have to be careful about that. I think one of the things that's important is uh, we use benchmarking studies. So you want to read industry reports to see what fair compensation is because uh, people who have a heart of giving won't pay themselves what's a fair compensation. So I did it just yesterday. I, I went to a benchmarking study in my industry and said, what should I get paid? And I was underpaid. So it starts there, and then mm-hmm. from there, when you've identified the profits that are reasonable for a company, which it should be at least 15%, then then you identify, okay, now anything above this profit margin, do I give it away or do I retain it? Uh, not giving it away is okay. It's, this is a prayerful consideration and something that just needs to be wrestled with. Mm. Okay, well, we, I, we just want to, these are some great tips and just great information and love how you process and it comes from your own experience and your, your passion just exudes in your, your wisdom and just the challenge of, you know, allowing God's wisdom to flow, not relying on our own. We just have a minute. How can people find out about this book and find more information about you if they want to, you know, your services? And again, thank you for joining our show today and just enlightening us all. So again, how do we, how do we find your book? Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, smallbusinessbigpressure.com, smallbusinessbigpressure.com. You can learn more about me there, and then you can go to Amazon and get the book in paperback, Kindle, or hardback. Well, this is a subject, especially because a lot of our listeners are in are in ministry, and ministry is kind of entrepreneurial, uh, mm-hmm. so much of it. And a lot of them, um, you know, we're going to be talking with the ministry of Bloom, Krista, who's in church planning, which there's so many similarities in church planning and starting and just taking that leap of faith and stepping out. And it does require wisdom that is beyond what any of us are capable and truly. So thank you for challenging us in in just that. And also just in, you know, just making God first and with the first fruits, even if you don't, you're looking at a, you know, an empty plate going, so God gets whatever he gets the very best. So thank you again, Daryl, for joining our show. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be joined by our next guest, Krista Evans with the ministry of bloom. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high on life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, again, thanks so much for joining our show. We just finished um, a, a great conversation with Daryl Lyons, who wrote this book, and helping entrepreneurs and, and you know taking that step of faith and realizing where the source is from, which leads in so great because that really is what the ministry of Bloom and Stadia is all about. And our next guest will be joining us from our one of our ministry partners, which is Bloom, which Bloom is under the umbrella of Stadia, and Stadia is bringing people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planning. Well, Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planner spouses so they can provide the same for their families, staff, and churches. And we so believe in this ministry, and they really do have that entrepreneur. You have to have that entrepreneurial spirit to start you know, something as significant as a, as a church plan. And so we just applaud them on so many levels. Well, joining us now is Krista Evans. She and her husband, Marquise, are church planners with a church called Revolution 216, which is on the west side of Cleveland, Ohio. They have four wonderful children ranging in ages from 15 all the way down to two, which sounds like a very busy household. (laughs) And Krista is an entrepreneur herself, started an event planning business. Well, Krista, we want to welcome you to our show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's exciting. And and this topic is so, I think, relevant on so many levels for so many of us in ministry, because ministry is really stepping out and leaping out in faith. And you have um, started your own business. So when you start anything new, whether it is like an event planning business or a church, um, we all know it can be exhausting and it's, you know, riddled with challenges, but incredible opportunities for growth and rewards. So just from your lens and, and starting this, give us a little background on, you know, when you started all this, and then how have you, through this journey, seen God just kind of be so significant in the process? 
Absolutely. Well, when my husband first told me that he was feeling God calling him, I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to be a great pastor. And it never dawned on me. Uh, yeah, you'll have a role in this as well. <laughs> but the more that we began to plan and just began to talk about it and lay it all out, God just began to show me like, okay, Krista, you're going to have you know more of a role in this. So it was a lot of prayer. Truly, it really was. And just trusting that because my husband is very outgoing, dynamic. He's this great speaker, ex-basketball player. And it's like, okay, we're transitioning from that to now we're going to, you know, preach the gospel. So it's kind of like, okay, God, what are you doing with us? Where are we going? But during that transition time, he really taught me about me and just, okay, Krista, you have strengths in these areas and I'll help you and I'll teach you and you're going to grow through this process. And I've used it to be a process of growth for myself. And it's, you know, grown me as a parent, as a wife, as a planter and in every area of my life. Okay, Krista, so you're, you're talking about growing and how much God has just um, come into the, you know, into the picture of, of growing you. Um, tell us, because it seems like no, no matter how often we answer this question on balance, how do you find the right balance um, being an, an entrepreneur, taking on this uh, a new ministry with planting a church? How do you find that right balance that works for you and your family? Well, First of all, I have to be honest, I'm a sleeper. I love sleep. But <laughs> as part of this, I had to give that up. I really did. But I give it up another way. So what I do is I wake up early. I rise at 4 a.m. And that's my just prayer time, alone time with God. I get my prayer out. Then I go into like kind of a meditation, doing some affirmations in the morning. And then by that time, it's time to get everyone ready for school. That keeps my balance. But I do take a nap every day. So I will say I do have a half hour power nap that I do take. So I still get that in, in addition to, you know, just planting and uh, working with my husband and my own business and being a mom of four. And I have a two-year-old who's attached to my hip. So days mm -hmm. are busy. Yeah, and it's an interesting season. Well, you, you made me laugh when you talked about, you know, your, your husband, you know, says we're going to go plant a church. And you're like, oh, good for you. I'm going to be your cheerleader. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Um, this is kind of a we thing, and I'm part of this yeah. package. And okay, now what is my role? And you know, even earlier when we were talking with Daryl, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, you you have the entrepreneur and going to start something, but an entrepreneur affects those around them. And so it's yeah. like, you know, your husband's this vision, but it's like, okay, now this is going to affect my life, you know, and my my sleep loving life. And you know what? What what is my role? And finding like you know you just said you know finding that balance. But there are some core values, and, and you you know have that entrepreneur spirit. It sounds like too with starting an event planning business. So when you guys start, you know starting anything new is is, is risky, and yeah. um, you can focus on you know what could go wrong, or you can focus on this is going to be an incredible adventure. And God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? And and really trusting that He's going to provide every step of the way. And as uh, you know, those in ministry know it's like there are no guarantees, um, but it's the most amazing adventure. I always tell people there's nothing else I'd rather do. Yeah. And um, you get, you know, you get a front row at watching God do some amazing things and the stories. But as you and your husband kind of start this and, you know, it is a wee thing. So I'm going to do the package deal. Um, what are some things that you guys identified going, here's some like core values, here's some things that we're going to really rely on to really help this become sustainable? 
we, our three core values are intense love, intentional community, and radical service. And we're on the lower west side of Cleveland. So the area that we're in is so diverse. And we really wanted to focus on outreach, just outreach in the community. So we give out free hugs. We do community meals. We're doing all of this outreach. And I do have to admit, I'm an only child. So my first thing was, okay, we're hugging people. This is new. So going from <laughs> that to just, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, allow God to use you and he'll do the rest. And I said, okay, now here we are three years in and I'm the main hugger. Everyone's like, oh, you give the best hugs. I'm like, really? So it's amazing how God will transform you once he's called you. It's like you can answer the call and go with it, or you can answer it and allow him to use you and transition you through that process. And that's a great guy. I love that, that saying, God will transform you once he's called you. Okay, you rattle off those three core values, I must say, really, really quickly. Can you just say those three core values just a little slower so we can kind of process and absorb those? Because I know so many people are going, you know, I, I either have core values, but I'm, I'm evaluating them, or I don't know where to start and, you know, how do I establish my core values? So can you state them again? And did your core sure. values, were they kind of shape because of the community, understanding the community you're going into, or did you have these before you identified the community? Actually, we had those before. These are pretty much what God had placed in my husband's heart. So the intense love was just loving God, loving each other, loving our community and this world. And so that's the first one. That's where that came from. You know, he really wanted to show love. Let's show love to everyone. Then the intentional community is let's be intentional about being in community with other believers. We actually started our ministry in our home. We were just meeting with, you know, people. They were coming over once a week. We'd have a big potluck. And those seven people went all the way to like 60 people. So it's like, okay, this is growing. So we wanted to move out. And a part of that is just maintaining it. We're going to keep the small groups, be intentional about believers being together, no matter what. We all get busy during the week. And, you know, it's great to meet once a week on Sundays at church. But throughout the week, let's get together. Let's share a meal together. Talk about, hey, what's going on? How's life treating you? What's happening with you? And then the last one is radical service. And through radical service, we just want to serve everyone. And that is kind of my heart because part of going into event planning was because I just wanted to serve and help people. And to serve others radically means to just do things that people are like, why are you doing this? Which is one of the things why, you know, just give free hugs on the beach in Cleveland, people kind of look at you like, what? But mm. they welcome it like, oh, my God, I love this. I just needed a hug. And I did some research and found out that a three-second hug can change your entire mood for the day. So just giving people hugs is something that we do from our parking lot ministry all the way until people sit in their seats on Sunday mornings. They get a hug from everyone in the room. Okay, that is, um, I am not the hugger. I, I'm like you, so I really connected and resonated with what you said. But um, Lisa goes around hugging me. And so now I'm going to, I know I'm going to get a hug after the show. So thanks. Thanks so much. Um, so I want to go back to your, uh, your, your hugging on the beach. What? Are you wearing a sign? Are you just going yeah. to be hugging? Because I want to know the stats before you hug me. Why Why are you doing this? <laughs> yes. We actually have signs that we made. 
Yeah. And and they say, you know, free hugs. And we have our church name on the bottom. And there's like, uh, we've had as many as about 17 of us. Even our kids are out there. We just hold our signs up. And we're on Edgewater Beach on Lake Erie. And we're just holding our signs and hugging people. Okay, I just want you to know my sign would say for a dollar, you get a hug. And so I would just say, I would put it back in the ministry. No worries. Right, but. right. <laughs> um, okay, so you're, you're over here and you're doing um, your event planning. How then, like just for our listeners, what is a, a few steps that you can share? Because so many times we have that where we're, we are doing ministry, but yet you're coming over here and you're trying to provide a revenue stream. Um, what were some of the things that did you just see a void uh, in, in your community where you thought, I'm going to start putting on events? Or how, how did you feel like God was calling you into that direction? And we just have a couple of minutes for you to give us some tips on this. And we're going to go into a commercial break and then we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, the first thing is... Um I actually, as an only child, I always wanted to host. So I, I loved parties. Like parties always fascinated me. How do you bring people together to have fun and to enjoy each other and just share conversation? So God just kept bringing that to me. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, Lord, how do I do this? How are we going to bring this together? And as I began to pray for it, he just really began to show me, you know, just doing small things. Hey, you want to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Let's have tea together. Let's do something simple. And that kind of grew. And then I really got practice when I started my kids. Once I had my kids, it was kind of like birthday parties were not just simple birthday parties. It was like, okay, let's go a little overboard. And my husband just kept saying, he's like, oh, God, you do too much. And I felt like my too much was just enough just for it to be fun. So at first it was God's not going to leave me out there. He's really guiding me. He's really showing me what I need to do. And I just started. I took a whim. So I was working for a company, and I was talking to a council person, and they said, well, hey, we're looking for someone to plan an outreach event for a community. I said, oh, my gosh, that's something that I would really love to do. And they were like, okay, you can do it. I'm like, okay. So I was thinking my very first event was an actual ward festival where 5,000 people came to. So you can imagine where it was like, God, okay, I thought this was going to be a small little party. It was a huge event for the city. (laughs) Hey, well, Krista, we're going to have to pause right there on your 5,000 and God being an overachiever. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation. Okay. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mideastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Pluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togedad.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Krista Evans, who, along with her husband, planted Revolution 216 on the west side of Cleveland, Ohio. They have four wonderful children, ranging in ages from 15 to 2. And Krista is an entrepreneur who started an event planning business. So, Krista, um, the fact that, like you said, you have a two-year-old, so that changes life, but having a teenager also always changes life. So as as you are stepping out and making life happen, um, when do you focus most of your time? I think that seems to be where um, our our listeners, it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm at home. I I, Not only am I doing ministry, but I'm also trying to to raise a family. How do you take that, the chunk of time? And I know you mentioned you get up at four o'clock in the morning uh, for quiet time, but you also do the power nap. Do you have a certain time of day where you can go, okay, this amount of time, I'm going to focus just on the business or what are some tips there in managing your time? Yes. Um, nap times for the baby are really work time. So she's a sleeper in. So she'll sleep in. So during that time, I actually focus on business things. Once she's up and we're doing playtime or learning time, then I'm able to kind of just stay focused on her. But really finding that right balance is great. If your child naps or anything like that, that really helps. If you don't have those moments, I ask, you know, friends, if we can have a play date and maybe I'll just pack up everything, they can play and I'll get maybe an hour or so where I can actually focus on maybe catching up on emails or things like that. But I also find my time too where I have target walks. I'll take a target time and I go away for about an hour and a half. I walk down every single aisle in my local target and it just allows me, that's my creative time. I can think and just explore things and everything that's been going on in my head, I just let it out loud while I'm walking through the aisles of Target store. Okay, that's so funny because there is a gal that <clears throat> I ran into one, one night about 10 o'clock at night actually and she was by herself and she has like four young kids and I go, what are you doing? And she goes, 
this is my escape from my kids. The kids are in bed. I just am wandering aimlessly and and Walmart just kind of decompressing. Or is that the right word? Decompressing? Yeah. Well, it's better than decomposing. And, yeah. Yes, I've said that word before. That's why I always have to think. Um, we don't want to decompose. So as she was, and I just thought that was so funny. She goes, "This is my time, and I love it. I'm just so excited mm-hmm. to be here." And I'm like. All right. Okay. I get that. That, that makes sense. So that yeah, totally but, makes sense. You got to do what you got to do. How do you do that? Though? And not, that's how I come home with like that dollar corner stuff. And you, know, you come home with a shirt that has a monkey on it and go, did I really need this shirt that it looks so cute in store? <laughs> well, supposed your retail therapy along yeah. with your, your, you know, power box. So, so you, can go, you can do a lot of multitasking. How do you do that and not spend money? You just say, not going to happen. That's not the reason I'm here. I give myself a budget, so I do $5. It's either $5 at the Starbucks, get a cup of coffee and walk the aisles, or $5 purchase an item that I absolutely must have. That's and a, see, that's a, good that, that's a great tip because those are, that's a practical tip um, for, for all of us. Um, okay, I want to go back to the entrepreneur thing. When you guys started, your husband comes home um, and says, you know, I, I just really believe God's calling us that way. And you're talking about, you know, the transformation happens to the calling. And um, is, is there something, because, you know, as entrepreneurs are starting something new, there's so many unknowns and you're stepping into things, but you prepare, you know, and it's like, what's so great about like um, the ministry with Bloom and Stadia is they really do prepare you. I mean, you take these tests and need analysis and temperament and everything to be really prepared for going into ministry and, and to, you know, going into this aware and with equipped and empowered, but no matter how much we can prepare and plan, as we know, on a journey with God, we, you know, there's always the unexpected and things come up and that's just life, you know, um, mm-hmm. you intentionally set this course and there's always the scenic route that happens. What has surprised you in your journey that you made, that you were not anticipating, good or bad? You know what? I wasn't anticipating just all the learning I didn't think that there was more to learn from it, I guess, and that may seem odd, but I'm like, okay, we both have college degrees, master's degrees, we're out here, we're doing this. What else is there to learn about this? It's about building relationships. But on the flip side, I learned more about myself than I ever thought I would learn from going through the process. That was one fold. But then the other fold I would say is just I wasn't expecting the relationships just even through Bloom. Like, I mean, I have so many sisters across the United States. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. You know, just those relationships. Because initially, I thought I was by myself. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm here. No one understands me. You say you're a church planner, and people look at you like you got the plague. So then it's kind of like moving forward. You just kind of built this. God builds it in you. And he's like, okay, there you go. Keep growing, keep learning, and thrusting you through that process. And and that's such a great thing because we are always, all of us are constantly learning. And and like you said, you learn. I learn more what not to do, you know, yeah. as from what yeah. to do. And you learn, like you said, significant things about yourself if you allow yourself and open up yourself and not and not fight the journey because sometimes it's easy. And I've seen honestly over the years a lot of pastors' wives and just leaders um, that really fight it and and. Yeah resisted. And instead of going into it, going, this is going to be amazing. So having that mindset of, 
what am I, you know, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want me to learn? And, and then, like you said, the ministry of bloom, I, you know, love, 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 and just stadia what they provide for church planters, because it really does create that community where you feel like yeah. I am not alone in this. I have others that yeah. totally understand that I don't really have to say many words. They just get it because we're all yeah. in this journey though. We're in different parts of the country and um, maybe in different seasons, but for women, we need to know we have that connection. There's another woman that knows um, what we're thinking and, and we'll, we'll stand on the sidelines and cheer us on. Cause we just need to know that. Cause it is, yeah. it can be lonely out there and, and trying yeah. to do something new. Um, but in this journey for you yourself, and just like you said, the opportunities for growth, how have you experienced the most significant growth? And being a better person, um, I've had to learn through, like, mistakes and failures that it's okay, you know, to fail and to make mistakes. You just have to learn from them and to keep going. Like, I always, I'm a perfectionist. Like, if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. And my husband constantly tells me, he's like, Christy, you are so hard on yourself. You do such a good job. And every time doesn't have to be perfect. So Mm -hmm. God had to really show me, like, Nothing's perfect. You weren't perfect. So why would I expect everything you do to be perfect? It's okay, you know, to have these mistakes, to, you know, go through these challenges, learn from them, grow from them, and keep on the process. Keep on until the goal is attained. And that's been something that, you know, I've been going through. So what kind of books are you reading right now to to help with your growth and um, you know, besides the Bible, what, what are you reading outside of just that realm? I have been reading the lies that um, Satan tells women, and it has really just opened my eyes up to a lot. Um, I can't think of the author offhand, um, but it is a phenomenal book. It's an older book written, like, in the 80s, and a mentor of mine had mentioned it to me, and I've been reading it, and it's just been just an eye-opener for me. Okay, so tell us, what are a few of the lies? That we aren't good enough, that we won't be ready enough, um, that we as women, we have to always be in competitions with each other. Like, oh, if she has this, then we're always comparing ourselves about different things. That was, you know, another thing. Um, There are like 30 of them. I'm only on four just because I keep stopping. (laughs) (laughs) to just, you know, just really read and dig into them. But those are the first ones that I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is hard. Yeah, you know, and it is so true because those we all, and that's what's so comforting because we learn also, you know, through books and everything, but we learn through relationships and just doing life together and, um, and that community. And, and that's what it's so significant because you just want to know, okay, really, I'm not the only one that feels this way. And there's something very empowering about that to know that I, um, I'm not the only one that struggles with inadequacy. Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one that, um, puts this pressure on myself to be perfect. I, and, and I think we do that so much without even realizing, you know, whether it's with, in our parenting with our kids. And I think there's that pressure, you know, especially, um, in ministry, like, okay, my kids have to look a certain way, act a certain way. And, and, and it's that, it is that pressure. I remember feeling that just when our kids were younger and finding that balance of how do I let my kids be my, you know, be who they are and versus all the voices, you know, kind of telling you what to do. So it is, it is, um, it is quite a dance to figure out and to, 
but it's also, it's so worth it and whatever you want to do. That that's leads to a great question. And uh, Krista, we only have three minutes, but since you do have teenagers, how do you keep that in perspective? Uh, I know I've always picked Lisa's brain on that, on, on being able to get over that when they are in ministry and you do feel like you're kind of in that fishbowl. Yeah. And my teenager is my son. He's my only boy, and he is such a good kid. But what we kind of do, I have mommy time with him, and we really talk and go over our Bible with him. And he does devotions and goes through it. And one of the things that we actually chose to do was to send our kids to public school. Now, I was raised in private school, K through 12, but my husband felt like, okay, let them be a light in the midst of public schools. So all of our children go to public schools, and he's in public high school. And when I say it's a different world, It's a different world, but every day I pick him up and we talk about, okay, what happened at school today? What's going on? What are kids talking about? Just keeping those open lines of communication open is key because I know constantly what he's thinking about, what's going on in his mind, and he shares a lot. And we've had this for years now, and I can say that has been the one thing that has been so instrumental that he feels like he's come and talk to me anytime about anything. And I do have those cringe mommy moments like, oh, my gosh. But I have to kind of hold those in and just listen to what he has to say because he is open and willing to share. Mm. And and that is such a key when with your kids or with anybody. It's just keeping that communication open and current, and that's one of the things. And not letting things um, you know pile up or build up, but just um, and knowing that you, you it's a safe place for you to have that conversation, especially with yeah. teenagers. That you're not going to judge them immediately or be in shock when they say something. So I remember that going. Okay, keep a straight face mm-hmm. as you yeah. hear this, and don't yeah. be too shocked so they don't feel like, wow, that wasn't a good thing I just said, but keeping that open. Well, Krista, we just want to thank you again for joining our show and sharing your journey. It has encouraged, we know, so many other women and just appreciate um, the ministry of Bloom and, and a, you know, shout out to Debbie Jones and Vanessa Pugh and the, yes. the rest who just, we just love and love doing life with you guys. And, um, you know, just encourage those in, from our conversation today on our show about just really stepping out and stepping out in faith. It's okay. Sure. Just start and um, just rely that realize that the wisdom and the resources don't have to come from you, but God really does provide. And we are that pipeline. So thanks for joining our show. Thanks for joining our conversation. We just encourage you to step out, take take a risk, and, and see what, what can happen and enjoy the, the adventure. Have a great day. We'll be back next time. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.